You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Welcome to the World Football Program, Saturday, July 30. Hey, Pete, why are you smiling already? I haven't even got to our names part. I haven't. No, no, I'm just happy and, <laughs> and excited joyful. to be in here talking That's right, football. Yeah. Good job. You're on 107.9 FM Radio Fremantle. This is the World Football Program. We're talking football for the next two hours. Pete Skeeler and myself, Penny Tanner Hoth, with you for those two hours. And our guests will include Perry Yalati, Football West General Manager. Perth Gory owner Tony Sage, Subiaco AFC player Ella Mastrantonio and Soccer Scene CEO Stace Bionidis. Welcome. Thank you for all of your comments and joining us on our Facebook page and logging in and having a look at our podcast on the World Football Program website. That's with a double M-E. The Australian English way. doesn't matter what anyone else says. There is two M's and an E after diagram and... Program and I'm sticking to it. Yep. Thank you very much to our partners, Futsal WA, Elswest Fencing and Wrought Iron, and Gate and Fence Hardware. If you do want to become a member, what that does is help us stay on air. We're a 100% community station, just like a lot of others out there and across Australia, run by volunteers and, and grants and donations and memberships. We love you to be involved. You can ring the station during the week on 9494 2100 or hop online been a total revamp of the Radio Fremantle website, so oh, it's good. looking pretty good and you can link to live on air and uh, get some contacts and become a member that way if you like. But we'll talk football for the next couple of hours. Lots of things happening in the football space. And we did talk, Pete, about what are we going to do in November when we usually finish and have a break and come back in February. That's right. And I'm of the opinion that when the World Cup's on, we should be broadcasting. So. Yeah. If we, if that means we sort of shift our summer break back a bit, I'm fine with that. 
But obviously, Pen, you're the boss and you get the final say. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. I like my break. But you know what? You guys, you know, you're all part of the team and uh, I think World Cup's pretty actually significant. So yep. I think uh, we might keep on going. The, the other plus side is that if, the, uh, if we have our break later in the year and not finish like we normally do, it won't clash with my traditional delayed Oktoberfest activities that every year I miss out on the... The luncheon because I have immature drinking responsibilities. <laughs> yes, and not forget the A League as well. No, that's which true. We always uh, seem to miss a huge chunk of it and then come back in the new year to yeah, the that's second true. And part. the the, the A League, both men and women. I nearly said W League, but yep, A League men and women will be running over summer as well. So yeah, if you've got some comments on that, lob them onto the World Football Facebook page and let us know what you think. Should we keep going? Um, how would you like to see the show, one hour, two hours? I mean, we usually have a guest presenter come in and do that two hours right through to February when we come back. So that's uh, you know two whole months of non-football in that two hours. But who knows? Open to suggestion. And I'm sure the station would appreciate us just keeping on going. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, if you love it, Pete, he loves it, Sean loves it, and you've all said you want to do it, then... There's plenty of football to be talking about, that's, that's for right. sure. That's right. Pretty much answers the question, I think, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> we might go to a break and come back and chat more football. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. Thank you for listening in. Stay tuned. 107.9 FM, your local station. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport to all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Pete here and our guest on the line is Perry Yulati. Good morning, Perry. Good morning, Penny and Pete. How are you going? Yeah, that, that could be one of those um, she says, he says, by the seashore kind of things. If you said that really <laughs> fast, I think I wasn't going to do that. I just... <laughs> Tongue twister. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Harry, welcome to Football West and welcome to the show. We do appreciate you joining us. Uh, you've landed in a really busy time of football, third year of COVID and COVID management. How are you feeling with all of that and uh, how are you settling in with things? Yeah, you're not kidding. Um, <laughs> I did walk into a bit of a storm, but um, look, there's a lot to get across there. So there's, I'm just still getting coming to grips with the breadth of uh, activities that happen within the football west walls. Um, so the, the the staff and the employee, uh, the people inside football west have been extremely helpful so far. So yeah, look, it's been great. I, I couldn't ask for any, any anything more really to be involved with the game again. So uh, pretty happy to be in that space. There's certainly been a lot happening in the last month or so with State Cup finals, Australia mm-hmm. Cup rounds, yeah. uh, a few international teams landing, and uh, Pete's showing me. Why are you showing me your chest, Pete? Oh, Coburn City yeah. Soccer Club. <laughs> Look at there that. Go. There we go. <laughs> Rips off his shirt and does a Superman <laughs> thing. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, Coburn have certainly um, been surprising, actually. They're not sitting in the top half of the table, at least at the, the table no, I was no, looking at. No, on the at, table they're not looking great. Although they did have a 3-0 win, win over Sterling Macedonia, so they're... I, I can't pick the results. Maybe they're just cup specialists. Or maybe they've been affected by COVID or they've had a squad change. Oh, sure, if you want to come up with logical and reasonable explanations. Uh, right, yeah. yeah. It's good to be able to see uh, NPL.TV uh, showing games and uh, 10 play Yep. And if you've got the service, uh, Paramount. But uh, free-to-air football is what us uh, diehards, <laughs> f- football passionate fans, always like to see. And uh, on 10 Play and the NPL TV, it's been great, Perry, to be able to see a plethora of... Plethora. Plethora, thank you, Pete, of football over the last couple of years. It's well done, Football West there. Yeah, we're pretty spoiled for choice. Sometimes we get a bit of criticism that there is actually too much out there and, and it's hard to keep up with everything. But I think it gives everyone... A- like a wide choice. Um, so, yeah, look, the, the the media team within Football West are working pretty much seven days a week to get that stuff uh, rolling over, and it's all working really well. Yep, seven days a week, 12 months a year, 365 yeah. days. It's not really any rest for grounds or resources <laughs> no, or volunteers or anyone, really. So, yeah, when you landed in your job, I expect you'll be a single guy with no kids and nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my, my wife, uh, my wife is wondering. She's like, "What, what are you actually getting up to in the evenings?" I, thought, I swear to God, I'm actually working. Yeah. Uh, there's just so so much to do, but um, it's it is hard to keep up. But we just have to, you know, keep things going one thing at a time. Um, yeah, like just keep doing the best for the community and just listening to what they really want and delivering. Yes, and um, last week was the state cup finals at uh, Inglewood Oval. Mm. There, uh, some great football. Yep, and some good calls too. Uh, I love Tommy Dolman. He, we have him on the show from time to time, having a chat about the local football, and he's got a great radio voice. And I'm um, really enjoying his commentary, which you'll hear if you log into the NPL.TV channel and, and listen there across the men's and the women's games. And have to say, uh, just for everyone out there, 92nd minute, that definitely was a penalty. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's not bring that up. I wasn't sure until I saw that second angle replay that uh, Football West posted the next day, and I went. Um, so sort of at the time, the ref, the ref was Johnny on the spot, and he like, very quick with the penalty. So I was like watching it. Even though I have a biased opinion, I was like, well, I didn't really see anything there. But the ref called it, and he was like, right, like he seemed fairly certain. We're talking about the Coburn and Armour. Uh, the Coburn Armour, yeah. yeah. And um, but yeah, certainly when Football West. 
played the uh, the slightly different angle the next day from someone else had filmed. It was like, oh, I, yeah, can't argue that. That's a penalty. That's, yeah. I think, a brain snap by the Armadale keeper. I had my um, absorption of football last night with catching up on as many games as I could that I hadn't been able to watch during the last week or so. And um, I tried rewinding that so many times and I'm like... Uh, you couldn't just, tell? No. The, the, the main angle, like the main broadcast angle, I didn't find it was clear. Um, but, yeah, like I say, Football West posted another one the following day and that one you can quite clearly see a bit of a, a kick... I clearly didn't catch that one. I yeah. had to go back through. Well, the, uh, yeah, the, the Coburn player <laughs> caught it. I can tell you, <laughs> it was quite a bit clearer. That was our man Don Georgie on the ground grabbing that footage, and I think it just highlights how tough it is for the referee yeah. Yeah. to make a call on 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 the spot like that. So, look, Josh Josh copped a little bit of heat, but I think it was uh, was vindicated once that little video came out. You know, he had to he had to make a decision on the spot. Yeah, we've been watching it in slow motion all week, and we still can't decide. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the referees have had a tough gig this year with numbers of, I've noticed numbers of referees must be less because there's less at games that I'm seeing. Um, there's more uh, volunteers hopping in there to do the refereeing and, and lines, lines person jobs. It's, um, I think the parents have been quite good about it, I'm seeing in community football, mm. but um, I guess that just means generally there's less referees out there. What's the go there, Perry? Uh, do we need to lift our game as um, clubs and um, get a few more educated or treat them nicer or w- what's the deal? Yeah, I think it's a combination of everything, Penny. I think we've got a part to play in that too. We need to drive that space a little bit harder. Um, we're, we're doing the best we can. We've got Colin in there and we've got a couple of guys on the ground as well. I mean, look, the referee, getting referees on board has generally been not too bad. It's the retention piece that we need to work on a little bit better, and I yeah. think that comes yep. with you know educating clubs, educating uh, supporters, players, um, treating referees a little bit better as well, and understanding the pressures they're under. Um, and then there's also referee education, um, yeah, giving them some incentives to stay in the game a little bit longer. So we had 200 referee new referees join last season, and only um, uh, 50 re-registered this season. So oh, wow. The retention is not as good as we would like, yeah. But on that, surely there must be lots of other opportunities for referees to partake in the game. Futsal, uh, Christian Football Association that are not um, directly managed by Football West. So there's other areas of the game that are growing that also require referees and umpires. Yeah, I think there is. I think we always we always focus on the top level of the game and you know looking at referees there, but we need to understand there's almost a thousand games happening every weekend and we mm. ideally it'd be nice to get referees to most of those. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's lots of opportunities, even at community starting off, you know, at the, the community level or the social level, just dipping your toe in the water and <clears throat> getting a taste of that refereeing environment and just working your way up from there. Yep. Uh, and the wash from the festival of football, how did that land in the community in terms of uh, response, um, what legacy it might've left, etc. Yeah, I think it just uh, highlighted how big the game is. Yep. I think it's often lost on a lot of people in WA. We just get lost amongst the AFL, um, which is a little bit of a shame, but uh, I think it's just brought it to the forefront again and how important it is for these, these sides to travel here and just keep uh, football in the limelight, I guess, uh, front of mind. Um, so, look, there was a lot of activities that happened during the week. So, uh, WA's first blind football league launched on Monday. With the help of Aston Villa, the coaches got involved Tuesday. Um, we had a lot of education sessions with primary schools and 
secondary schools in the middle of the week. Um, yeah, it just culminated in that last game on, on Saturday at, um, at Optus, which was almost a full house, I think 58,000 people. Yep. So you've kind of said awareness of the game, and that's pretty awesome. When you've already been engaged with a global brand like Leeds or Manchester United, you kind of might already be aware of the size of things, mm. but what's to the grass person, grassroots person, what do they see, what do they benefit from after the show has left town? Well, probably there's probably those elements of aspiration and inspiration for the kids, I would say. Yep. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I remember watching um, some big teams back in the day when I was a little bit younger. You know, you kind of, you, you, you're watching in awe as the players are, you know, warming up and taking the field and you kind of think to yourself, geez, I'd really love to be there. And I think it just probably... Uh, gives everyone a little bit of a shot of motivation um, yeah. to, to keep playing and, and, and excelling. I think that uh, for me personally, uh, as a high-level player and now I'm aspiring to be a really good coach, um, seeing the training sessions and the way that the coaching setup was with the amount of resources mm. and mm. what activities they do, and while I was in the stands watching the Manchester United training session, there was lots of coaches around me with their kids. Yep. Uh, not yeah. the team kids, but their, their actual, you know, boys and girls, daughters and sons. And they were talking, engaging about what the coaches were doing and why they were doing it. And I really enjoyed listening to that banter. And they, they were watching yeah. the activities. And some of the activities that we do at training, we might have, I don't know, seven to 12 players at our training sessions, which mm. is you know, pretty typical on an awful day with weather and yep. sickness and whatever. And and they had 30 in their session yep. and they're able to do the activities that some of us coaches aspire to do <laughs> really well. Yeah, and, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so it was great to hear that conversation and the takeaway from that was we're doing the right things and that's how it is, son. Yep. Watch out there. That's how what we're trying to do at our training session. So see how, how that guy's making that move or what that coach on the sideline is saying. And do it. So for me, I was inspired as a coach. As a player, if you can see someone executing those skills with intensity and technique, then that would inspire you to keep playing and maybe reach a higher level for sure. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. The inspiration piece is huge. Yep. Now let's move over to the State Football Centre, the home of football, mm. which is mm. hopefully going to be ready for the Women's World Cup in July. Definitely June, going July to be ready, year. Penny. Definitely. Good. Yeah. I like that. Uh, Forthright and up front there. We had a breakfast midweek, a networking breakfast, which I believe is a first for football. West. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, that was um, in conjunction with the City of Canning. I think they're, they're really spending a lot of money in, in that local area to, to complement what's happening with the State Football Centre in the background there, Mangana Park. Um, and I think it was the first opportunity to to engage the community in that area and also businesses around that area and start to start to build a bit of excitement around what's going to happen, um, I, guess, I guess, what's coming next year with the, the completion of the State Football Centre. So it was good. Uh, I think I saw you there, Penny, and um, yep. you saw quite a few people from different businesses. Um, I think it was good. Uh, the feedback was great. So I think it's the first of many to come. Yes, I'm interested to know what the purpose of the breakfast was. Was it awareness that there's going to be a football facility in your backyard to the business owners or is it to engage them to have some involvement or to use the space because it is a very big space that the football ground is going to be sitting on. Yeah, I think it's a bit of all of that. I, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm, I assume that people know that there's a football stadium or a football centre being built because there's big concrete rising out of the ground now. So 
it was more um, probably to engage them uh, more because what what we want that football centre to be is obviously a high performance centre, but we also want to engage the community in that area. Um, so you know, there's a community and social aspect uh, of the, the state football centre that I think is probably uh, probably not been um, put to the fore just yet. So engaging businesses to get involved, um, looking for ways that we can work with them and, and make sure that they get the most out of uh, the benefits of that state football centre when it's complete. And it's not just about the football centre, is it? It's the, I mean, the space that's going to be on, the Maniana Park is absolutely a massive footprint yeah, of grass. So it's going to be developed for natural bushland, maybe skate park, other recreation areas. And I, yeah. I guess all of that has to work well together to attract family to that space because that's what you want, isn't it? You want people generally to uh, feel it's a welcoming space for them to want to be a part of and businesses to want to engage with whether it might be a, I don't know, a little fair or festival or market or open space soccer pitches outside of the actual stadium itself. Yeah, absolutely. You want it to be a shared space. You want it to be inclusive. You want people to feel welcome. So I think it's all of the above. Uh, we want to try and get the most use out of that facility as possible. So whether that's, uh, you know, for events and outdoor cinemas or, you know, holding... I think Jamie mentioned a beer and barbecue that he's pretty keen on doing. <laughs> a bar- beer and barbecue event there in the open spaces because there are going to be community fields and open spaces as well as the high-performance pitches. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot, lot of opportunity there. Perry, do you know, is there going to be any uh, usage of the State Football Centre by Perth Glory? Um, just recently, one of the ex-players, uh, Ota, did a post on social media saying that, you know, training for Perth Glory was often interrupted by dogs or school PE classes because they're just on a public oval. Do you know if there's yeah, any, any yeah. discussion there about... Because it seems like a match made in heaven, obviously, Perth Glory using the, the State Football Centre. Has there been any discussion on that front? Yeah, I don't think there has. Look, I'm, I'm a little bit early in, so I don't, know, I don't think there's been any formal discussions to that. Um, effect just yet. Yep. I guess you know if there if there were, then we. Would, it seems like the perfect place and a match made in heaven. Yeah. So, uh, but I don't think there's been anything on that front just yet. Okay. We've got Tony Sage up next. <laughs> you know we're going to ask him, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, now, before we let you go, the other thing that has yeah. been put, or not the other thing, but the thing that's been put on hold uh, through the COVID period is travel out of the state and travel. Uh, overseas, and one of the great things that I like about Football West is the engagement with the Asian region. Tell us how that's going. Correct. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I think everybody in the office is excited too that we can start to travel again. Mm. Um, so yeah, travel's back on the cards. I think we've got national youth championships as well, so that's internally within Australia. But obviously, we're trying um, to engage the, our Asian partners again. I think there's a big there's a synergy there that you know we need to get off the ground again. So they're opening their borders. We've got uh, Borneo Cup, which is coming up at the start of October. So that's a chance for um, boys under 15s and 16s team to travel there. So those those sides, I think they've been finalised or are being finalised in the coming week. Uh, and on top of that, there's the Singer Cup, which is in Singapore. Yep. Uh, and that's happening at the start of November as well. So again, there's um, there's some the boys and girls teams travelling to that one as well. And I think they're very excited about it, as you can imagine. Uh, tell us about how this is actually going to work because we know here in Australia there's been mandates brought in with masks at various times, um, having to be vaccinated mm. to attend a workplace. How does it work with sport and then travelling outside of the boundaries that we're very clear about here in Australia to another place? 
Yeah, that's what we're, we're working on that at the moment. We, we need to make sure our risk management framework is pretty tight around those kind of things because, like you said, our rules here are not necessarily the same rules we need to abide by when we do travel. Um, so we're going through that process at the moment to make sure that that's all watertight. Um, there, there, there still obviously is that risk of COVID. There's a second and third, fourth and fifth wave that we're all hearing about. I'm not sure what wave we're up to yet, but um, <laughs> we just want to make sure, yeah, we mitigate that risk as much as possible. Oh, I suppose it would be something like um, if the, let's say it's Malaysia or Singapore, or um, which is you know, two of the ones that spring to mind about where we travel a lot to with their WA teams, yeah. Um, if they have a mandate that you must be fourth vaccinated or fifth vaccinated and whatever that is, then you can't enter the country until, you know, so to be eligible for the team to leave Western Australia, you have to already say to the players before you can try out, these are the mandates. Yeah. Um, you have to right. a- agree to them. You can't be a conscientious objector because they won't let you into the country. You can't get through right. the airport unless you do this. No, absolutely not. And that's what we're doing at the moment. We're trying to make sure that that's all covered off as soon as possible. So we've got, I think, Borneo Cup is uh, first week of October, so we've got a, you know, a few weeks there, but we need to make sure that we leave ourselves enough time to, to put in place what needs to be there before we before we leave. Yep. So the, the teams going over for the Borneo Cup and the Singer Cup, are they organised by Football West? Because I do recall in the past, and sorry to bring up the team again, but Coburn City used to send over a, a club, uh, a teams to the Singer Cup. So is this uh, club organised or is it... Football West organised. Yeah, I think clubs have sent over their own teams to the Singer Cup in the past. Yeah, Football West organises its own internal team. So the Singer Cup is chosen uh, from players that come down for Country Week, which is another event we've got uh-huh. coming up end of September, and that's all the regional associations bringing down their best players yep. uh, to play in a competition for the week. And so those players uh, that represent the Football West side are chosen from Country Week. Okay. And uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that the AFF um, Youth Championships, 16s, boys and 18s, girls, I think we've got some representatives from um, the, well, the three glory boys, I think there are, and there's the two girls, Zara Board and Georgia Cassidy um, playing. So they're underway at the moment. So congratulations to uh, West Australia, Perth, for having five representatives um, playing for their country overseas. Yeah, that's huge. I like, you know, we're so far away and I think sometimes we get forgotten about, but clearly there's talent here and, and clearly there's the coaches that are developing that talent, the coaches. Um, so it's good to see that they're getting recognised. Yeah, it's nice to have a few goalkeepers too. Miranda Templeman in the under-20 space from Perth who's sat in the studio here and had a yak with us and Zara yep. Board from Subiaco, both goalkeepers. I don't think any of those three boys... Uh, Daniel, Adriano, and uh, Pearman lads. Nope, none of them are goalkeepers. So there you go. No. Mm. So we've got. No, they're not. And there's a. I don't females. know what's happening with goalkeepers at the moment. There seems to be a shortage around the state. So if anyone wants to be a goalkeeper that's listening, get your gloves on. They're, they're all off playing for Australia at the moment. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Perry, thanks so much for joining us. We do appreciate you. Um, having a chat with us so uh, feel free to come back at some point in the future when you're feeling a little bit more confident and settled and across yeah. things and give us an update on how things are going I will do thanks for the invite guys uh, enjoy your weekend good on you Perry thanks, see ya Perry. see you guys bye that was Perry Yolati the Football West General Manager and Perry used to play for Perth Soccer Club at around about the time that I was playing for Perth Soccer Club I reckon around 93 4, 5, 6 93 
Yep. Is that BC or AD? Yeah, I, I just I had to be very careful. I, <laughs> I knew that you were just going to land in that space at 1994, 95 or so. Because <laughs> you're like two years older than me or something. But yeah, oh, that's still, I can still. Uh, speaking of the um, AFF under 18 women's competition, which is underway right now, just a, a quick rundown of it. So Australia's. Uh, junior Matildas, so we've got the young Matildas and the yep. junior Matildas, and uh, hopefully I've used the right one, but the under-18s, the youngest of them, um, are playing over in that competition at the moment. Uh, and <coughs> we had a 4-0 win over the Philippines. Probably they're not coached by Alan Stadjic is probably the difference there. Uh, an 8-0 win over Malaysia, and then a 2-1 win over Myanmar. Myanmar came second in the group behind that, us. That's because it's the... Under youth team, yeah, yeah, so it's a youth team, yes, yeah. so it's junior youth and then open Matildas. Yeah, <sighs> yep. Uh, so we we're, we're into the semi-finals as are Myanmar. Our opponents in the semi-finals will be determined today. Uh, it, Vietnam and Thailand are top of the group, and they're playing today. Whoever wins obviously goes top. We'll play whoever comes second, and Myanmar will play whoever comes first. So semi-finals will be on the second of August, and we'll either be playing Vietnam or Thailand. Yep. Two countries that, as I was saying to you off air, um, I think in the next 20 years are going to explode onto the football scene. Lots of potential for growth, you yeah. reckon? Big populations and um, um, wealth increasing in those areas. So. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Very interesting. And close neighbours. Um, we talked about the movement of players and teams back on between Perth, West Australia and, and Asia and it's promoting more quality football, um, opportunities to play football um, tourism as well. Yep. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Football tourism. I'm sure some people travelled to Perth, whether nationally or even internationally, specifically to watch the games. Mm. Yep. We're going to go to a break and come back and have a chat with Tony Sage, the owner of Perth Glory. This is Pan and Pete on the World Football Program. Stay with us. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron is a fourth-generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in.
keepers out. The net's open! Some people can't hide their passion. Don't hide yours. Join our team. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Pete in the studio and Perth Glory owner Tony Sage with us this morning. Good morning, Tony. How are you going? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're coming across loud and clear. Excellent. I'm sure you're in between a million other things as usual. Coming up to the new A-League season, we see that um, we're playing at Joondalup. It's a, a long way away for some of the Perth Glory fans. There are going to be shuttle buses, Tony, to take them up there to the stadium. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, we're hoping to get some very good uh, support from the government since it was Venues West that stuffed this whole thing up, not uh, not the owners uh, at the APL. Uh, as you know, they've uh, got a couple of concerts on at a sporting venue, so uh, that's caused a bit of controversy in uh, uh, in our world, uh, But uh, and they're going to do some uh, pitch renovations, so... Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one, uh, but Joondalup is, uh, uh, when, when you go through our membership database, a lot of our fans, uh, I think over 60% are in the northern suburbs anyway, so it's a, it's a good little try uh, for prop, uh, possible future um, um, Australia Cup games, etc., etc., to try out our membership support out, out there. Uh, it's not a bad uh, ground itself. The pitch, uh, our players and... Uh, um, Coaches have gone out there and looked at the pitch, and they quite like it. Uh, so yeah, it's a disruption, but uh, hopefully um, we can uh, make sure all the fans get there and get out quite uh, efficiently. Just to put it across to everybody, the reason that we're playing up at Joondalup is because the HBF usual stadium that we play in is being renovated for the World Cup next year. So that's displaced mm, us. Right? No, no, no. Let's get this straight. Mm-hmm. They decided to put concerts on during football season when it's a sporting venue. So we're very angry at that. Only a part of it is to do with the renovation. So, yeah, it's uh, it's them maximising their profit over football and rugby. Yep. Gotcha. So we're yep. both, we're, we're, uh, us and the Western Force are very angry. We didn't want this to happen. We didn't want any disruption. Sure, it gives us an opportunity to, to find out a new fan base if people would just... Uh, rock up on the day since they live in that area and a lot of our fans uh, are, are out there but we're very angry that this has happened gotcha and and so it's it's four games played uh will be played at hbf arena which is the june lot one uh tony looking at the fixtures the first three seem fairly normal shall we say but the final yep. one on the 23rd uh friday the 23rd of december at 4:45 p.m. now i realize it's really close to christmas so probably a lot of people are on holidays already but 4:45 p.m. kickoff on a friday is is that not uh, who came up with that it's ridiculous yeah. uh tv did uh tv land we're in the lap of uh tv producers at the moment and that uh, that's the scheduling they did mm. if you look at the other games around us uh, on that day it's uh Ludicrous. Uh, we put in our um, uh, our uh, disdain uh, for that, and uh, it came back as no change. Look, possibly can change. We want to change it to the 28th, yep. the whole day, actually. Yep. Uh, and uh, we'll see how we go. At the moment, you, you know what's happened in the last three or four years. There have been changes after the official fixtures come out. So we're, we're still holding out some hope. We've just got to get some um, uh, clarity from uh, the other team that were playing on that day to see if they would mind shifting it. But, you know, that, that 
Christmas period is going to be quite hectic. And yeah. I think the World Cup final, uh, I can't remember the exact date that's on, but that also had an influence okay, as well. Yeah. I think that's early December, so that might affect the uh, the game against uh, Western United on the yeah, 10th of December. Yeah. yeah. So what's the news on tracking towards a permanent place of Perth glory to be, Tony? Uh, well, we're permanently training now at Frio. Uh, the boys love it down there. The Fremantle City Council have been extremely helpful. We've got a full gymnasium set up. All our admin has moved down there. We've trained, I think, uh, four, three days a week on that pitch, and they've given us a, a pitch close by uh, when South Fremantle are trading on it. But at the moment, everything's going well, so that's our home for now, uh, home for the future, we're working with the Western Force. Uh, neither of us like the way we've been treated by uh, Venues West and uh, just watch this space and what the combined force of myself and Andrew Forrest can do <laughs> in shifting uh, away from HPF Park. So at the moment, Fremantle Over, which is uh, South Fremantle Bulldogs yep. ground, yep. there's no possibility that that could be modified, renovated. I mean, it's in the hub of Fremantle. It, it, I, 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 not that I'm an AFL defender, but that has, is a very strong cultural tie to Fremantle football. Um, I could yeah, see that it, it has. Uh, look, they've got a plan uh, to build stands. Uh, with us being there, it helps them uh, yeah. with that plan with the state government. So, look, uh, watch this space. But, uh, no, we'd like our own home uh, permanently, not to be co-tenants with anyone uh, other than uh, the Western Force. Uh, We've got extremely good um, communication now with them and they feel just as um, slighted. And and, and the fact that uh, they were going to give the new NRL franchise, if it came, half the rent that we were paying. (laughs) Uh, so, yeah, so we're very, very angry. We've been treated like second-class citizens, both rugby and uh, uh, and football, so we will do something about it. Uh, we have investigated building our own stadium, a um, uh, temporary one, for a couple of years until something happens. And, um, you know, they used this stadium for the World Cup uh, a few years ago in New Zealand, uh, so it's available, and we can put that basically anywhere we want. It's temporary. It will hold 15,000 people. Would there be any alliance with the new state football centre when that's up and running? No. We've been excluded from that as well, which is uh, very disappointing since the, the whole reason they got it built was uh, to house Perth Glory, and now they reckon they haven't got enough room with all the state uh, obligations. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so you can, see, you can see in the tone of my voice, we're very angry yeah. and... Uh, you know, we, we've come through the two harshest seasons ever for football uh, with most sport, in fact, in WA. And uh, hopefully uh, the state government and um, Venues West can do something about that. Otherwise, we won't be playing there after next season. What about the wash-up of the recent football festival? How come Perth Glory wasn't involved? Again, uh, a ridiculous decision. Uh, we would have pulled 40,000 on the Friday night, not, uh, and don't believe the number of 33. It was 26,000 that turned up to the Leeds-Crystal Palace game. We told them that would happen. Um, you know, Leeds and us, all Crystal Palace and us, would have got 40. Uh, they now know their mistake, and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's uh, again, disappointing. Uh, and just think of the money they would have saved. They would have paid £2 million uh, pounds each for Crystal Palace and Leeds. That's 
a lot of money, six million Australian dollars. They would have only paid us half a million as a, the local team, yep. um, and uh, and the two for one of the teams. So, no, it, it was uh, extremely disappointing, and uh, the fact that the state governments didn't, it's, it's uh, it was brought to them by the um, promoters, by the way, but the state government still had to agree to it. Uh, so I'm not blaming the state government because it was brought to them. But, yeah, I just thought it was ridiculous. Do you think it's off the back of the season that Perth Glory had and squad transition, coaching transition, etc.? No, nah, nothing to do with that. It, it was to do with the EPL uh, promoting their brand across the world. Yep. Uh, you were seeing that Manchester City and Chelsea and Arsenal went elsewhere. It was them promoting their brand around the world. So they uh, uh, wanted as much EPL coverage around the world as possible. Um, and, uh, yeah, and we were the ones that missed out because Brisbane got to play Leeds and um, uh, Melbourne Victory got to play uh, Man United um, just to fill in some fixtures, but that's what they wanted to do. So they needed other teams to get exposure, like Leeds and Crystal Palace. So, So it was their decision through the promoter but the state government could have stepped in like Melbourne did uh, and said, no, Manchester United are playing Melbourne Victory. That's what the state government there did. Yeah, and I think um, from a couple of the teams that went to the US as well, I realise these are only pre-season friendlies, they don't count for much, but I think a couple, if I recall, uh, a couple of the uh, EPL teams were, shall we say, a little bit humbled by some of the MLS teams. There was a couple of un- unlikely, well, unexpected results with the MLS yeah, teams. Yeah, um, yeah, that, off a win, that, so. that, that did happen, yeah. So, look, uh, the success of um, the All-Stars, that was fantastic. We had, I was there, 70,000 mm. against Barcelona. I think you'll see more All-Star teams. Mm. I've propagated uh, something, so if there's someone else, you hear it. It's, uh, I think the MLS All-Stars against the A-League All-Stars will be massive, given the amount of, you know, Gareth Bale's there now, yeah. the amount of uh, publicity that'll get. And we make it a year-on-year contest. Uh, one in Australia, one in uh, in the US, and they rotate it to state to state. So we'll, Optus will get one, the new stadium in Sydney will get one uh, uh, over the years. But that'll be a great added fixture to ours because uh, um, the A-League All-Stars, even though a lot of players weren't available, did a very, very good display and it was an entertaining yes. game. Yeah. Uh, and I think you'll see a lot more of that. But, you know, with the plan of the owners, the amount of new talent that's coming in, uh, over the league, uh, our A-League All-Stars will be a very, very good team. Do you think the new season will be different to last, given COVID management, uh, refixing, all of this kind of stuff? Is the idea that it's going to be a better platform this year and there's going to be some things built in that will make it that way? Penny, Penny, all I can hope and pray for is it is. That, that was uh, my worst two seasons ever. Yeah. Uh, our players' uh, mental health problems the with quite a few with what they had to put up with being quarantined in a hotel room. 17 days on average for our team, uh, none for the rest of the competition. Um, you know, it, it, it caused the injuries. Uh, Daniel Sturridge was a huge failure because of it. Um, you know, he never got uh, a chance to train 14 days when he first got here. Uh, then he was expected to play. Um, and then he got soft tissue injuries because you can't train in a hotel room on a treadmill. It's impossible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, horror, horror. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully uh, the next two seasons. And with the off-field as well. I mean, uh, we've got a West Australian now um, in charge as the new CEO, mad, passionate football fan. We trained him up for four years uh, <laughs> at Glory. Then he went to the Wildcats. It was a big success there. I mean, they made money last year at the Wildcats under his tutelage and Troy's and Joe's. So, and uh, I think uh, you'll see a lot more 
uh, change in the back office as well once he's there and he can bring people on board. Not saying Tony Pinata was bad or anything like that, but you know he had his home in Victoria. He had to go back a lot with his wife not being able to move here because of their kids yep. going through school. So I think that's a great relief, and I thank Tony Pinata for everything he's done for the club. We won a premiership uh, cup uh, under him and Tony Popovich. So yeah, fantastic. I wish him well. But now we've got uh, someone that's a hundred percent committed West Australian, and will bring a team with him that will. Uh, be able to get her off field uh, going in the right direction. There's something about that name, Tony, isn't there? I mean, we're talking about <laughs> Anthony Radich, uh, yeah. Tony yeah. Pinata, Tony Sage, yep. Tony Popovich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, look, it's good. Look, and uh, uh, Andy Cow's got a lot to do with this going forward as well. I mean, he's recruited really well um, to get uh, uh, Joe involved as well, the, uh, the new coach. Um, he played under him uh, at Millwall. Uh, Ruben Zakovich's got a big, big... Uh, when Ruben first moved from Australia to England, he uh, was taken under the wing, lived uh, with Joe uh, and his family for a while. So it's it's, it's really a strong uh, team there. Um, we've recruited, uh, as you can see, quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got another couple of good uh, recruits uh, to be announced. Uh, you've got also Mish Stavray, who's heap of experience with Glory uh, as sort of the de facto football director. Um, And you've got Kenny Loback. um, uh, I think he's the best uh, youth coach in in Australia. Uh, So we're going to have a very, very strong club going forward. The women have got 18 players already on board with their squad and uh, Alex Ipakis is uh, just really thinking forward. Yeah, Yeah, he is uh, looking good there and a good sprinkling of... WA players and uh, signings from across Australia as well. What's your thoughts there? No, very exciting, uh, especially with the World Cup coming up next year. All Mm -hmm. the players, especially the young players, uh, all want to really impress. Uh, I mean, no one knows what the squad's going to look like. We're really putting in a bid now with the state government to get uh, the Matildas uh, here for a game against Glory uh, as a precursor to the World Cup. So hopefully that can happen. Um, you know, everyone obviously wants the Matildas to play in their state, but um, I've got uh, some strong contacts at the FA with uh, ex-CEO there now, Peter Philopoulos, uh, pushing hard for us to get a game. And that will be really exciting to see Sam Kerr playing against their old club in, in us, but uh, playing for the Matildas. And they really need some good warm-up games. So hopefully it's uh, England or... Um, someone like that, that uh, will place themselves in Perth and uh, play a game against uh, uh, Glory. So that'll be exciting as well, coming up for the women. And three lads, um, uh, Daniel and Adriano and um, the young Pemman lad, um, selected in the AFF Championships for the Joeys, which starts yes. tomorrow. I couldn't find that. Very, <laughs> yeah. yep. uh, very exciting, very exciting. Look, uh, you know, uh, seven years ago, and he deserves a lot of credit, even though he's no longer at the club, Jacob Burns said, our future is the academy. I was the first one to invest in it. We were the first ones, A-League team, to have it in the MPL. Uh, and, uh, you know, the rewards have, have come. With uh, You know, Joshy Rawlins gone now, but there's quite a few that have come through that system and uh, moved on to bigger and better pastures. Quite a few have come into our team. Uh, Steins and Tim, and Tim, and even though they're they're, they're, they're moved, moving on now, but uh, you know it, it's proved uh, a very very worthwhile investment, and 
and millions and millions has gone into that development of that and um, the, the rewards are coming through now. We've got fan, three fantastic under-15s that uh, will come through the system in the next uh, 12 months and you'll hear their names. I won't say them now, put pressure on them, but uh, you'll, you'll see them come through as well. Yeah. Well, sorry to see uh, the, the announcement today that, that Steins and Timmons had left. Um, yeah. As as a Glory fan, um, like I don't mind players leaving if they're off to bigger and better things overseas, like like Josh Rawlins did. I'm sort of a bit yeah. iffy when they leave Perth to go play for, you know, Western Sydney or something like that. It's like, well, <laughs> no, you're just a backstabber. Um, do, do you know where they're going or? No, you know? no, no. Look, okay. it's... Uh, I back the coach. Yep. I back Andy as a recruitment. Uh, they interviewed them. Uh, both of them were told what their plans were for them going forward. Yep. And uh, they asked to be released. So, okay. you know, when something like that happens, they weren't sacked uh, by any means, but they asked to be released because, uh, you know, they, they, they with, the, with the amount of players that have come in now, uh, some of those positions, and they might not get 100% game time. So, look, you know, when things like that happen, uh, you don't mind uh, if they put their hand up and say, look, we'll take our chances on the open market. Okay. Before we let you go, Tony, memberships, uh, what's on the rise there? I'm sure Anthony Radich has got some plans to promote glory out there in the community and get the memberships up and running. Yeah, look, uh, that'll start in earnest now. We all wanted to wait till the fixtures came through and how many games we were going to play at Joondalup. Um, obviously, that's going to have a small impact um, on um, on uh, people from Mandurah and uh, Bunbury and uh, Rockingham area uh, saying, oh, geez, I'm not going to go all the way out there. Um, but, yeah, so that'll have a small impact. But uh, Anthony's got a big plan. He's got a, a new membership person starting uh, in a couple of weeks to, to add to what we've already got. And uh, there'll be a big push coming up but look I implore everyone if they want football in WA they've got to support Glory uh, they've got to buy a membership I know what's going to happen again the prices are too high at the gate just buy a membership is half the cost yep. $20 if you're a member and it's like 42 or 44 at the gate which we don't control and we don't get the extra $24 Mm. Uh, Tony, by the way, the the Joondalup Stadium is there a what's the capacity of that? Is there going to be like a? I think there's twelve, twelve or thirteen. Okay. Yeah, okay. so well, that, that fits with with, with us. And yeah. obviously, if you're a member, you're going to get in. If you're not a member, it's just walk up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, if Glory and Anthony, everyone does their job, then it's going to be filled to capacity, and That's you right. won't be able to get that ticket unless you remember. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, Tony. Definitely. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. And uh, yet, yeah, let's go, Glory. Okay. No worries. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, thanks Tony. Tony. See ya. Bye. Bye. Tony Sage, the Perth Glory owner, just bring us up to date with what's happening there. Yeah, and um, a, a lot mentioned, but one thing that sort of he he mentioned that I thought I should look up: uh, Women's World Cup during the week. Three more teams have qualified. So we're also going to see Colombia, Brazil and Argentina at the Women's World Cup next year. They qualify during the week as part of the 2022 Copa America Femenina. Yeah, typically powerhouse football centres there. Yeah, so I was looking through the list of qualified nations because I obviously, as a bit of a geography nerd, like the World Cup just in general. Um, the The only country that really jumped out at me at the Women's World Cup that's never been to the Men's World Cup is Zambia is going to be there. Who I have the feeling have been at the Women's World... No, no, it's their deb- debut as well. So. They've, they've never been to never a been Men's to World Cup? No, not Zambia. Uh, no. 
didn't even know they had a national team. I don't think I've ever seen any football to do with Zambia. To be brutally honest, every country has a national team and if you're really, really up on your football, you can correct me on that because there's about three or four that don't, but it's literally only three or four countries out of over 200. How many countries... Are there in the world? Like how many nations Now, are that's there? an interesting question, and it actually depends on who you ask because um, there's, you know, sort of semi-independent, like the Donbass in the Ukraine. If you ask a Russian, they say that's a separate country, and yeah, if okay. you ask the rest of the world, it. it's not. And there's 200. Uh, but about 200. FIFA uh, Look, country, you can easily FIFA. get it. FIFA actually has more than the United Nations, and you could easily <laughs> get into an argument with a British person about this because if you said, is England a country... I'm sure an English person will say, yes, it's a country. We've got our own flag. We've got our own parliament. Um, and I'd say, well, Western Australia has its own flag and its own parliament. That doesn't make it a country. If you go to the United Nations, there's no representative from England. Um, or if you try to find a, you know, a diplomat, there's no diplomat from England. It's all United Kingdom. Um, but for historical reasons in football and, and rugby, they compete independently. So okay. there's, a, there's a long-winded answer that didn't really give you. About 200. Okay, yes, absolutely. So let's talk about NPL. NPL. So, of course, in amongst everything else going on, we had the end. So we didn't have any games last week, obviously, with the cup final. Yeah, we'll Should we go to the cup finals first? Let's talk men's football because okay, when we have football. Eleron, we'll definitely talk about right. women's. Men's football. So last weekend was cup final day and congratulations in the under-18s to Bayswater City who had a 2-1 win over Perth Glory. In the reserves, congratulations to Perth for a 4-2 win over Sorrento. And in the main final, in the, in the senior final, uh, congratulations to Coburn City for a 3-2 last-minute win over Armadale with a much-deserved... Coburn played win. well. They did. Yeah, to be honest, it was... I mean, I was watching, streaming the game and... Um, Armadale in about the 60th minute really started piling on the pressure. When they scored one goal, you thought, oh, that's all right. And then straight away after they scored another and I was sitting there going, oh, this isn't looking good. Um, but, you know, they turned it around and, <coughs> sorry, um, Coburn turned it around. And like I said, when I first saw the penalty, I was like, well, I didn't see anything, but the ref seemed pretty certain. And, <laughs> yeah. and then the replay the next day from the different angle, I was like, yep, the ref was completely right. Uh, we also then both... Coburn and Armadale during the week have played in the Australia Cup, representing Western Australia. Uh, both results were disappointing. Armadale unfortunately went down 5-2, which was probably the bigger disappointment because they were at home and they were playing Modbury, who apparently are a South Australian second division side. So it's not even a top-tier team from um, South Australia. You'd sort of hope Western Australia and South Australia, strength-wise, the leagues would be about the same, but I guess not. And Coburn obviously went over to Brisbane City, 1-0 up at half-time with a, with a great goal, but Brisbane City were just too strong in the end. Yep. Ah. That was about midway through the round of 32, I think. Yeah, so we're about halfway through. Um, there's obviously a lot of other games coming up and have been, but to be honest, as West Australians, they're probably of minimal interest. You know, I mean, I'm sure people aren't too fussed about McKay and Sunday's Magpies Crusaders United versus <laughs> MacArthur FC, which is coming up shortly. Um, but then in the NPL, if we jump over to the NPL, the fixtures for today, uh, we have Balcata Etna against Perth Glory. Oh, and if they're not sick of each other enough, Armadale is hosting Coburn City. Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? It's, well, I mean, it's just the vagaries of the fixturing. Um, yeah. It's, but um, Perth versus Perth Red Star. I wonder if that counts as a derby match then. Um, 
uh, as in Perth versus Perth Red Star. Florida Athena at home against Bayswater City. Sorrento travelling to Inglewood United and Guelup Croatia away to Sterling Macedonia. Uh, Florida Athena three points clear at the top of the table uh, with obviously Perth Red Star and Sterling Macedonia breathing down their necks, three points behind. At the bottom end of the table, there's actually a bit of a gap. So Coburn's in 10th on 18 points. And then the bottom two teams, Gwelup Croatia and Balcata Etna, are on six and four points respectively. So I find this is actually quite close. So if you look down from Floriot through the table, yep. top four, yeah, top, only top, within top like four, four are, points. Yeah, four points. And then there's sort of another cluster from, from fifth to ninth. Oh, sorry, fifth to, yeah, fifth to ninth. And then the bottom, pardon me, the bottom two yep. by themselves. Yep. So, yeah, it's a fairly close kind of competition. Yep. That's, uh, no yep. one is running away with anything there. Yep. Um, but Coburn have done extremely well for being on the bottom of the table at the moment to... To you know, get to win the cup, and yeah. Appearing in the Australia Cup and State Cup. To, well done. Yeah, that, was, that was their second, second time. Both Coburn and Armidale have been in the cup before. Armidale travelled, I think, last time, I'm going to say, to Cairns from memory and went down 4-0. And Coburn was away to a team that are most long-term Perth glory... Fans would remember the Melbourne Knights. Um, <laughs> little hand signal I did on my chest then, but Stop. I'm not allowed to do it. It's a good Stop. thing we're not um, live casting that. Um, and went down 2 1. That was, that was four or five years ago now. So, uh, look, and also while we're here, can I have a little rant? Do you mind if I have a little, short you little rant? Just go. No, this is a different one. I was, I was thinking this while I was watching the, um, the Australia Cup match. And so I've been a football follower all my life or a football fan all my life but I'm born and raised in Perth Western Australia so I've obviously got the Australian culture and familiar with Aussie rules and all that Mm -hmm. um had you said so in the 80s I was in school in the 90s I was at uni had you said to me at any point in that time look Perth's going to have a team playing in a national soccer league you're going to have your own Perth team I wouldn't have I would have thought that's that's just not feasible. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, but the matches will be live. You know, you can watch them on television, which today we, we just take for granted. But I specifically remember about 2001 getting dispensation at work to leave early because the Glory had a game telecast on Channel 7, as it was back then, against Newcastle. Uh, had you said to me, look, there'll be a National Cup, which features teams from every state and territory in Australia... Um, and it's televised. You can tune. You can literally sit on your couch and watch Coburn City playing away in Brisbane. I would have thought, no way, that's not going to happen. Um, the NPL, the you know, you can sit on your couch and watch ECU Joondalup playing Sorrento. Um, you know, stre- obviously streamed, so not quite free to air television, but streamed. You know, it's all there. And five World Cup appearances in a row for the Socceroos. Had you told me any of that in the eighties and nineties, I would have said that's never going to happen. So I know football fans at times can be quite negative and oh whoa everything's terrible and blah 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 but it's nice to pause every now and then just look back and go you know we have come a long way uh, and there is a lot that has been done there's still more work to do there's still we still want a national second division I still want to see a women's uh, uh, nationwide cup um, but you can sort of pause for a moment oh and sorry and, and Australian uh, Australian club sides playing the best of best clubs from China South Korea Japan in the Asian Champions League. And one of the Australian teams winning the World Cup and in my lifetime. Thank you. Sorry. Why are you, why are you quiet? Um, Come on, Pete. 
yeah, well, that would be nice too. Yeah, there's a bit of work to be done. Yeah, there, there's plenty I'm of, only halfway Sorry, the way life, you said so. that, I was like, have I missed something? Did we win a World Cup and I've forgotten no, about it? No, so, yeah, I so, but I'm, I, yeah, what I'm getting at is, is you can actually just take a moment every now and then, look back and go, you know what, things have come a long way. So things have improved. Um, whereas, you know, back in high school, you, like back when I was in school in the 80s and uni at the 90s, you, you barely even knew, well, I didn't even know when World Cup qualifiers were even on, let alone being able to watch Australia playing Kyrgyzstan or whatnot. Yes. Anyway, that was my rant for the day. I was thinking about that while I was watching uh, the game the other night and just thought how far we've come. Yeah. Good. It's good to pause and reflect. And yep. I like that. That does show progress. And it has happened in your lifetime. It has. There'll be lots more happening in the lifetime as well. This is Pan and Pete. We're going to go to a break and we'll come back and chat more football with Ella Mastrantonio. Stay with us. Not too long to go now. We aren't just the people who mow your lawn. We aren't just the people who paint your houses. We aren't just office workers or taxi drivers or even the family next door. Underneath it all, we are fans. No matter when, no matter where, we'll be there. Time to let your inner fan out. No guts, no glory. They say you can't choose your family, but you can choose your football family. A family has legends you look up to. And the up-and-comers. A family pitches in and works together as a team. We have the ones who keep us in check. And we motivate each other to be the best. Be the best! But it's my brothers and my sisters who always have my back. That's why even my real family love my football family. So what are you waiting for? Join our team. Come on!
I wonder what the theme song to the upcoming A-League is going to be this time round, Pete. Oh, I don't know, but I, I love that ad. I do too. And for anyone who follows JFC on YouTube, I can't link it on our Facebook page because some of the language is rather inappropriate. He actually does a video review of the last eight years of A-League advertising. So it doesn't include the last couple of years, but... Um, a review. It's mm. Look, I loved watching it, but yeah, I, I won't link it, but... If you hunt down JFC on YouTube, you'll find him. He does a lot of A-League-related videos. Okay. But, again, none of them can be linked. Yeah. We, he, want a, we want a song that we can sing in our cars and relate it to the A-League He did one about football. the referees called Uptown Refs, which, again, was fantastic, but you would Billy have to Joel. have your finger on your bleep button. Okay, I, I possibly yeah. would. All right. This is Penn and Pete, the World Football Program. We've got Ella Mastrantonio on the line. Good morning, Ella. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us. And uh, by way of introduction, just give us a little brief about the Ella story so listeners know who you are. Oh, how much time do you have? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm Frio, born and bred, and um, yeah, I've most recently just been playing in Italy and the year before that, England, and I have over 100 caps in the W League. So yeah, that's kind of my story. <laughs> And you have played for the Matildas, the Australian teams along the way as well, in your very long career? Yes, yes. Um, from the 17s to the 20s and lucky enough for the Matildas. So, yeah, my career, um, yes, has been long. Um, but, yeah, hopefully uh, a lot more time to go. Uh, while we're going over your career, I, I was looking at your, your playing history and I'm curious, it, it goes Perth Glory, Melbourne Victory, Perth Glory, Melbourne Victory, Perth Glory, Melbourne Victory. I don't think I've ever seen a player bounce between two teams so much. Is there is there a reason, like, do you have, like, family over in Melbourne and you were sort of, you know, bouncing between the two over the years or or is it just the um, case of that's how it panned out with the contracts? I don't know how to say this diplomatically, but, um, yeah, look, I didn't, in those periods, in those years, um, you know, I don't think, uh, it was enjoyable for me at Perth. So obviously, then I had an opportunity in Melbourne. Okay. Um, I think when I was just seventeen, eighteen, with Vicky Linton, um, really enjoyed that season. But being eighteen, I was a bit homesick, so I came back home and thought it would, you know, improve. But obviously, things didn't improve. Went back to Melbourne, and that's kind of how it just happened. But okay. I basically Melbourne now is my second home uh, anyway. But um, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed my years at Melbourne Victory. Um, they were good at Perth, but. There was just, um, I don't think they had the right people involved at that time. So that's why I was always kind of bouncing back and forth. And then okay. obviously my last bit was at Western Sydney Wanderers. So, yes, that's yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a brief summary of <laughs> why yeah. I was bouncing That's back a whole lot of football experience and a very wide-ranging one too. So you, your first team with Perth Glory was in 2008. So, and two th uh, 2022, back again. Congratulations for your selection in the squad again. Mm. Um, Alex has seemed to have worked on a really good uh, foundation for the squad over the last couple of years. He's been coached and they did very well in the season last year. Mm -hmm. Tash Rigby's been involved with Glory now for many years and as captain, as <clears throat> a much-loved figure here, plays for Fremantle and local NPL yep. uh, and you play for Subiaco. Um, so I think this, the squad is going to be quite strong. What's your thoughts on playing for Perth Glory this time round, Ella? Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, I've been in contact with Alex for the probably just on a year about now, um, and yeah, like like I've said in, in other interviews, I think he's building really something special here. Um, 
you know, he's brought over a lot of young talent from, you know, Sydney, Melbourne and, and such. So it's going to be a really good mix in the squad this season, which excites me. Um, and I can tell he's just very passionate. He's very determined and focused to, to really build something special here uh, at Glory. So um, that, you know, is the kind of mindset that attracts me um, to do well and obviously to to, to succeed. So that's a, that was a strong pulling point to, to come back home Um so, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it and hopefully we can go one better than, than last season. Yes. You, you come from the Fremantle area um, with your, your young football here, um, as did Sam Kerr and Mariana Tabane, Lisa Devana. Um, did you play with all of those girls in your young footballing career? Yes, yes, we <laughs> did. Um, with Sam and Mariana, well, Mariana started with uh, the NTC and the, the state state teams. Um, also with Sam, I played with her with the, within the state teams as well. Um, I remember her coming through and, you know, she was living in Cardinia and Mariana in Coogee. So, you know, we'd always uh, carpool to training and then Lisa sometimes whenever she was <laughs> she was around too. So, yeah, we basically grew up with our formative years all together. Um, so, yeah, I think it was, we produced um, some really good players in that kind of period in here in WA and especially Frio. <laughs> Yeah, you did. Something in the water around this space is pretty <laughs> good. <be>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And through your adult footballing uh, journeys, you've all gone in very different directions. So Sam is now playing in England. Uh, well, Lisa's gone and played in Italy and in Europe as well and has come back here and is playing at Subiaco with you. And Mariana's in Perth here playing at Subiaco with you. How did that end up and how is that going? Yeah, Lisa uh, gave us a call and said, you know, um, Subiaco is really ambitious um, and they want to really try and build their, their women's side uh, of the of the club. So, you know, she and Ardi, the technical director, um, you know, uh, we had a chat to them and they explained to us their, their goals and their ambitions as a club to kind of really build it, build the foundations for something special to grow. Um, and they wanted us involved to, to, to try and help them. So... Yeah, I think it was a good opportunity to, to help out while I'm home and, and obviously, yeah, try and grow the women's side and the women's football here in WA and especially for Subiaco. So, yeah, um, yeah we're enjoying it so far and we got a good uh, win last weekend. So hopefully we can continue this weekend. Does your involvement at the club involve mentoring and coaching? Because I can see with Lisa Devana yourself, Mariana, um, you've got a heck of a lot of football experience and you're at a very good age now. And I know Lisa has been contemplating the coaching thing. Are you giving back to the club in other ways than playing? Yeah, so Lisa, Lisa's doing basically all of that, as mentioned before. Um, she's doing all that with Subi, which is fantastic because to have a player of her calibre and what she's done in the game, you know, is, is something really special. So you can tell Subi are quite serious about that kind of side mm-hmm. of things. So, um, and yeah, like, as Mariana and, and I go to training, you know, we try to help with our experience and try and lead by example in that way too. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, like I said, as long as we can pass on some of our our learnings and, and be an example for others, that's kind of uh, the whole the whole goal of it. Yeah, Greg Farrell, who is um, part of Futsal WA, a major sponsor of this program and partner of this program, he comes on and chats football and he's uh, always very passionate and has a lot to say about football. And um, I know he's on the Women's Standing Committee as well as with uh, was with uh, Northern Redbacks, now Perth Red Stars, and he's 
looked at Subiaco as a challenge to help and much like I think what you've said looking at the philosophy of where they want to go and how they're going to get there and he stepped in and the playing style of Subiaco has definitely changed since uh, he stepped in he's taken them uh, in a different direction and I see that you've got on board with that same philosophy so he must be feeling pretty chuffed that he's managed to get three quality players in the squad there uh, yeah uh, yeah I'll, I'll agree um Greg from the short time that I've known him yeah he's very passionate and you know he's trying to help out a lot and you can tell that he's really trying to instill a, a playing style within within the girls and and the club I'm sure as well so it's been good and I think he's a great asset for Subi. And Zara Board, the young goalkeeper who's now playing, I think she's away at this very moment because she's playing with the um, AFF Championships. Um, how's the team coping without her? Yeah, it's fantastic for Zara. Um, again, in the short period that uh, we've, we've been down there, you can notice that um, she is of a high quality. So, you know, a massive congratulations to her. It's a special honour. Um, but, yeah, like... Uh, Marissa has done a good job last last week in in goals against Alcada. So um, yeah, I mean you know football's like this. You, you you know players go off to represent Australia and other things, and so you always have to kind of get the other people to step up and do a job. And so far we've done that, and hopefully we continue. Who's the backup goalkeeper? Uh, Marissa. Marissa. I'm not M- sure Marissa Pigeon. Apologise. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, she's a great goalkeeper. <laughs> um, she's been yes. with Subiaco a few years now. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's um, um, yeah, really good person, and uh, yeah, she she's done a, a stellar job last week in goals for us. Yep, uh, and you've played in Italy, and the connection there, I I feel, was probably Nicola Williams and Carolina, whom you would have been involved with, uh, Nicola from Perth Glory days. Would that be right? That that's where the connection is. Yeah, yeah. So I've known basically, yeah, Nicola. Well, first played with Nicola in TC, so back when I was probably 11, 12, 13, coming through, <laughs> coming mm. through the ranks. So, um, yeah, they, they basically uh, got me over to Lazio with them. Um, fantastic coaches, really good. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed it for the short period that they were there, unfortunately. So, yeah, I just hope uh, maybe one day I can work with them again because, yeah, they're, they're great coaches and, you know, deserve, deserve to be coaching at the highest level, I feel. Yes, I'm not sure where they are now. Do you know? Uh, Carolina is still in Italy. She's working for the TV um, station called Ray or Rai International. And Nicola was literally just home. I, I caught up with her yesterday, um, but she'd be heading back. So I know she's trying to pursue coaching um, opportunities. So, yeah, like I wish them all the best because, yeah, they're, they're both fantastic people and fantastic coaches. Yes, out of all of your coaching journeys, uh, sorry, your footballing journeys, what did you take out of playing in the Italian football environment? Um, yeah, it was it was good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, it's a bit different to the Australian style here. Uh, I think our league here um, is more dynamic and more athletic, I think, more fast-paced than the Italian. Italian, Italian league, they focus more on tactical and more kind of technical details so it's not as kind of fast-paced and um up and down as the as the league here i don't think um but there's not much quality wise between the two i don't think um obviously there's again there's a top two three four clubs like the juventus milan um ac and inter milan and stuff like that who obviously have you know some of the best players in the world in their team so obviously the quality is of course high 
especially with someone like Joe Montemiro there <laughs> coaching, you know, mm. they're incredible. Yeah. So, but between the other, even in England as well, even between the lower kind of leagues, uh, sorry, lower teams, you know, there's not much quality-wise difference um, in the league. Mm. So, you know, seeing that and then coming back to, to, to the W League, I think um, hopefully I can then pass on that knowledge or, you know, it's, it's someone to strive for for the, for the other girls if they wanted to do the same thing. What are you looking for now in your football, Ella? Um, like always, just to enjoy it, <laughs> to do well. Like I, I don't think I've ever not want to be, you know, winning something. I, I don't really play football other than enjoyment, but I always play to win and to, to do things and, you know, to help the teams that I'm with. So, But also, you know, I still have goals of hopefully getting back into the national team one day. So... Yeah, hopefully we can do all of that within the next uh, W League season. So mm. oh, A League season, sorry, A League women, sorry. Before so, the yeah, before but, the Women's World Cup, you want to get identified and play for Australia, right? Yeah, well, I mean, of course. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, um, hopefully, like I said, hopefully we do well with Perfori, and hopefully that translates into getting noticed again for the Matildas. So yeah, but we'll bef- see. Before we let you go, how do you describe your playing style? Like, describe yourself to someone else. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think, Penny? You, you've known me for a few years. I would say composed. Yeah. Technically very good. Confident. Competent. Now, <laughs> now over to yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think my technique kind of um, is one of my strong points. Um, my vision is is okay, I yeah. suppose. <laughs> and then very my good. Passing. Yeah, I don't really like talking about myself, but yeah, that's the best. Drive it. Okay, so everybody, watch Ella and Perth Glory when they come to town. Ella, thanks so much for joining us. Really do appreciate it. It's great to see you back here in Perth with Mariana and Lisa in the same team. Um, Watch out for the rest of the season. The teams that will be playing against Subiaco, I think the whole team will improve because of the quality that you guys will bring to it and the, the talent and potential in the whole squad. So well done. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Good on you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. See ya. Thanks, Ella. Bye. Ella Mastrantonio. I forgot to ask if she speaks Italian, but I'm pretty sure she she would. I was guessing with that last name she probably did. At least enough to get by. Mm. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Greg would be totally chuffed with himself there, scoring those three players in the squad. And... uh, if he's sticking around for next season as well, and those players are, I'm sure from the beginning of the season, there'll be a heck of a lot of improvement in Subiaco. Yep. Mm. Speaking of the women's game. Yes. So just running through the um, the fixtures today for the women's NPL, um, we have Perth SC against Curtin University, Perth Red Star against Fremantle City, and the aforementioned Subiaco AFC are playing Balcata Etna. So Perth Red Star, I believe, I believe if they win today, they've wrapped up the league title. Is that correct? Yeah, they're um, so far ahead. Absolutely powering ahead. So 15 yeah. games played, 14 wins and a one draw. So uh, 15 points clear of Fremantle City in second spot. Uh, down at the bottom end of the table, Subiaco AFC actually second from the bottom on 12 points and then Curtin University in last place on two points. Uh, and... I know Ella said they had a game last week, which they probably did, but officially it was the cup final for the ladies as well. Uh, and so congratulations there to Perth Red Star, who again, as well as winning the league, they can't share anything. Ever. They have to win the, the cup as well. Uh, 2-1 over Perth SC. Mm. 
Um, just uh, doing a little bit of a, a cross cross checking here. Yeah. In the women's NPL versus the men's NPL. Yep. Red stars ladies are on top. Yep. Red stars guys are sitting second. Yep. Um, Perth in the men's are sitting in the bottom part of the table, and the women oh, are yeah. sitting third. Yes. Uh, I don't know where Balcatter are. With the men's. In the men's. They are sitting 12th out of 12 with there you go. Um, four draws and 12 losses. And Balcatter in the women's are sitting fifth. So, so you think there's – what you're saying is there's no correlation between how the men go and how the women go? Or are you thinking some I'm some th- club needs to actually form a bit of a synergy so that both of both sides rise at the same time? Yes, more, more that. I was wondering about the connect and if there is a, a big connect at the club between the men's and the women's and – how the club might facilitate that. Do they ever train together or is it literally just a case of men you go over that way, women you go over that way no, and I, they have nothing to do with each other? I, I doubt it. Yeah. No, I've never seen a men's and women's team training together. Uh, I'm just trying to think even at Mum FC, uh, they train in different spaces, yeah. on pitches and probably on different days, different times. Um, yeah, could you ever connect that way? I'm not sure that they could. Whether there's an, even just have one session where the coaches switch over and coach the other side, just as a one-off, you know. Or what would I know? It's or similar coaching philosophies, or like a club philosophy, maybe an ambition on where the teams need to get to, and how they might get there, and how they can help each other get to those places. I'd well, you'd hope that the TD from the club would sort of bring be that together, overviewing. You know, both coaches, both both sides, and, and bringing it together. But, Given that under yeah. NPL infrastructure, a TD is part of what is required, yep. so one so would assume one. that would happen. Yeah, it was just interesting seeing across the the teams that have men's and women's in the NPL how they're doing. The women are doing okay, I've got to say. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're doing well, and, good. and also Subiaco in the the women's NPL, but their men's team is tenth in- place in the first division. So. Down a level and then 10,000. Yeah, so in, in the women's is uh, Fremantle and Mum, Subiaco and Curtin, which they all have men's That's true. in at, different at, leagues. At lower levels, yeah. So, um, and, yeah. so Fremantle are third in the men's first division. Uh, who else was there? Mum FC? Yep. Mum FC are fifth in the men's first division. So we didn't, didn't go over the men's first division yet, but no. um, that's how we're going. And, Olympic Kingsway sitting top there. And Curtin. Yeah, who's sitting in the top of the first and second men's division? Uh, Olympic King, Kingsway first, Western Knights second. Yep. Okay. And, and, it, and Curtin, um, who are obviously bottom of the women's NPL, their men's team is sixth out of 12 in the men's second division, so mm. two tiers down. So yep. You could say there's a bit of a correlation between positions there. Women's State League? Women's State League, yeah, we could do that. So in the Women's State League, the ladder currently has Southwest Phoenix sitting top of the table, 31 points. Uh Eight points clear of UWA Netherlands, then Sorrento, Perth FC, Armadale on 13 points, and last place, Mandra on four points. Gwellup Croatia also listed, but with no games played, I assume they've pulled out. Uh, and the fixtures for today at that level, uh, Perth AFC are hosting Armadale, UWA Netherlands away to South West Phoenix, and Mandra City are hosting Sorrento. So yeah, it feels like a couple of long road trips down south for a couple of the teams. Yes. Um, I wonder how clubs are managing the crazy storms that have been happening over the last month with their grass pitches. I know that there's uh, been 
quite a few lakes appear on Sundays and last-minute calls yep. to refixture games. A lot of the junior games, that, uh, especially the uh, hubs that clubs have been doing more and more uh, in the mornings after rains have been called off, and I don't know if they refixture those. I don't think they do. They just go through the next week. But mm. there's been a bit of a log jam with some refixturing after storms with the uh, junior games, community games, just because you know, grass gets wet yep. and if there's water there, you can't play the game. Hey, I've played Sunday League in ankle-deep water <laughs> at Inglewood's, uh, Inglewood's ground. Um, you were at uh, Optus Stadium for the games with the EPL teams, weren't you? Both of them or just one of them? Or? Uh, the Man U the Man and, and, um, and that was Crystal that Palace. was bucketing down then. Did that have much of an effect on the game? It had no effect on the game whatsoever. None? Yeah. I did notice that, uh, by the way, Mum FC were under complete cover. We strategically <laughs> placed our seats nicely, so uh, well done to... Um, uh, Nina for um, helping place that from the 16s Division 1. Well done. Um, yes, I noticed that the pitch was a bit slippery to start. Yep. So yeah, well, it was compacted and yeah. uh, AFL, I think, had been using it Would have been, yeah. beforehand. So I don't know how close in the lead-up to the game it was, but um, there was players slipping all over the place, especially through the centre, like a wide You mean during, during the match? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not so great. There was, yeah, some times where De Gea slipped and looked down and I uh, thought, oh, 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 wouldn't want that to happen at a very critical moment. Mm-hmm. Mm. But, yeah, that wasn't so great except when there were some goals scored and they got down on the knees and they <laughs> slid. So that part was really good. <laughs> That's the good. important bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also worth mentioning, like you pointed out, I was wearing my Coburn shirt today. Penny is wearing a Manchester United mm-hmm. shirt as well. So sorry, Ian, Dennis. So, yeah. It's not all about Manchester United, but I just get it along with the Penny's hype. case, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, should we go to a break? I think and so. Come back and chat more football with uh, Stace Ionidis from Soccer Scene. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Radio Fremantle wishes to advise that the views and comments aired on this program may not be those expressed by the board and management of 6CCR Radio Fremantle. Tenemos que seguir presionando 
Ustedes calcular espacio en medianos del campo Dietmar. Dietmar, wir mussten vorsetzen, sie hat gewichtet, geben sie ihnen nicht jeder Raum in Mitte des Feld. Also, hm? Gut. Luca, Luca, Krt, Prt, Krt, Prtovic, Krt,
Okay, it's enough of that crap. <laughs> Penny, I'm lost for words. I am honestly, I like had no idea um, you were going to do that. And I'm just, it's not often you see me lost for words, but I, I am this time. I will point out for those astute listeners who were paying attention, you actually heard uh, an ex-Glory coach rapping in that song. Oh, hang on. You did? You did. Oh, look at that. Now you're going to have to play it again. No, to try I'm to not playing it, it again. <laughs> I'm not playing it again. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Steve McMahon was in there. Um, oh. Start of the A-League. Of course. Uh, was in there. His big recruitment was to get his son to come over to play for the Glory. Yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, we remember those days. Yeah. And ironically, he actually didn't have such a terrible record as a Glory coach too. He had as many wins as he had losses, which sadly in the A-League era is not bad for, mm-hmm. for our coaches. Yep. Okay, you do your thing, and I'm going to try and get Stace on the line. All right. So we're just going to run through a, a few results from the uh, the men's um, first and second divisions. We've gone over the NPL as well already. So uh, as mentioned previously, last weekend was the um, was the cup final weekend. So two weekends ago, the results were Joondalup United had a 3-2 home win over Fremantle City. Forestfield United and Kingsway Olympic play uh, sorry Olympic Kingsway played out a two-all draw. Quinns FC hosted Rockingham City, who had a three-one. Uh, Rockingham City came away three-one. Uh, Subiaco AFC and UWA Netherlands played out a one-all draw. Dianella White Eagles had what they must have felt was a magnificent three-two away win over the Western Knights, and Mandurah City hosted uh, Mum FC. Mum FC came away with that one one-nil. Uh, result uh, games for this afternoon: Rockingham City are at home against Joondalup United. UWA Netherlands are hosting Quinns FC. Forestfield United are at home against Fremantle City. Western Knights travelling to Olympic Kingsway. Mandurah City hosting Subiaco AFC, and Mum FC are hosting Dianella White Eagles. Glancing over at the First Division table: Olympic Kingsway, top of the table, forty points, three points clear of Western Knights. On 37, then Fremantle City and Mandurah City behind on 35 and 29 points, respectively. At the lower end of the table, 10th place, Subiaco AFC, 15 points. Quinns FC in 11th on 11 points. And UWA Netherlands on 7 points, bringing up the rear. Assuming Penn's happy for me to keep going, we'll cover the second division. Penn seems disgusted that she cannot get the uh, the guest online. Uh, and I'll just point out again, Hugh and I had this happen twice in one show a couple of weeks back. <coughs> so uh, two weeks ago in the men's second division, Kings, uh, Kingsley Westside and Curtin Uni played out a nil-all draw. Wanneroo City hosted Southwest Phoenix and the result was a somewhat surprising 6-4 win to Wanneroo City. Not often you score four goals and are still on the losing team. Um, Canning City hosted Joondalup City, Joondalup winning that one 3-0. Swan United had a 2-1 home win over Balga. Gosnell City 4-2 away winners over Morley Windmills. And Karamar Shamrock Rovers had a uh, 1-2 loss at home to Ashfield, which was a bit of a surprise perhaps. Uh, coming, up, uh, coming up today in the second division, Ashfield are hosting Kingsley Olympics. Southwest Phoenix are at home against Karamar Shamrock Rovers. Joondalup City host, uh, away to Gosnell City. Curtin Uni are hosting Swan United. Morley Windmills are at home against Wanneroo City. And Canning City are hosting Belga. So glancing over at the table there, Gosnell City 
sitting two points clear on 38 points, also with a game in hand over Caramar Shamrock Rovers on 36 points. Those two teams are pretty much running away with the league because then there's an 11-point gap to Kingsley Olympics, One United, Joondalup City all on 25 points and Curtin Uni on 23 points. And down the lower end of the table there, Ashfield on 17 points, Canning City on 10 points and Southwest Phoenix on 5 points. Southwest seem to have the problem where they they absolutely dominate a league and then go up and then find themselves going down again. Obviously, the travel distances are yep. playing playing havoc there because they're as we said, their women's team in the first division are top of the table. Yep. And obviously, Southwest, you know, won the amateur prem last season to go up. And yeah, yep. looks like they're going down now. Now, what's this note that Penny's yep. handed me? Yeah, no, squad. Yeah, I'm just uh, I can find information on the Perth Glory women's squad, but I cannot find anything on the current men's glory squad. So maybe yeah. So we might. had a cu- oh, we had a couple of ins and out. Look, let's let's. Just briefly touch on the fixtures first, okay? Because I've got that more. To yeah, hand. good. <clears throat> so, and I have to say, like as we discussed with Tony, there's that bizarre Friday afternoon game. Not only that, the fixtures are very much in clumps of home games and away games. So it's not the nice, you know, one week home, one week away, one week. So you know, if you're a, a fan, you go every second week to a game. Uh, unfortunately, it's a bit of the whole, as we've had previously. The whole we have three home games in a row, which tends, you know, can be a hassle when people have other things to do and and have lives outside. Yeah, of I wonder Chirinton. what the reasoning behind that is. I don't. Know. And then and then there's like clumps of away games, so which helps get glory out of mind for people that aren't the diehards. Hmm. Anyway, the fixtures start on October the 9th with glory away to Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, followed up the following weekend, we're away to Newcastle Jets. Sunday the 23rd of October, 2pm, it's our first home game. We're hosting the Central Coast Mariners, as discussed up at Joondalup. Um, <clears throat> then we're away to Adelaide United, away to Melbourne City, home to Brisbane, home to Western uh, United, uh, you know, grand final winners, mm-hmm. uh, away to MacArthur, uh, then the aforementioned Friday afternoon 4.45pm game against West uh, Wellington Phoenix. Um, then... Interestingly, no games over that Christmas, sort of Christmas New Year break. So the first game back is will be away on the 2nd of January to Adelaide United. Yep. Then, assuming all goes well, we're, we're, back, to our, um, we're back to our normal home ground and we're Friday night game against Western Sydney Wanderers. The following weekend's a Saturday night game against Sydney FC and the following weekend after that is a home game again against Melbourne Victory. So, which again... For you know, for the diehards, it's not a problem. But for a lot of people, three home games in three weekends can be a bit of a hassle. So I don't know what the story. And there's is there. a there's a break for the World Cup, which is great. I think it's four four weeks through November. There is too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's right. So that's that's right. So we're at home uh, on the thirteenth of November. I hadn't even noticed that. And then the very next game. So it's not too real. Not really two home games in a row because the next home, next game is home, but it's on the tenth of December. So there is a a month off. Uh, now with the glory squad, oh, you've you've put me on the spot here. Absolutely put me on the spot here. So we've lost Daniel Steins uh, just in the last um, couple of days, and Callum Timmins. They've as as Tony Sage alluded to, they've they've both elected to go elsewhere. We have picked up a number of players, and some of them were quite exciting, and some of them were not. <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still I'm still incredibly Can- underwhelmed by um Sadaniero, who's still on the squad as far as I know. Okay. Um 
But anyway, uh, we've picked up Aaron McEnough. McEnough? Um, sorry yeah. about that one. But he, he played for uh, Shamrock Rovers over in Scotland, so not the, not yes, the WA not State the League one. side, yep. uh, and heart of Midlothian. Uh, he's had appearances for Northern Ireland's junior teams. Uh, and plays as a midfielder, 27 years old. So he is one that sounds interesting to me. Okay. Potential. Uh, John Contrubus, we've picked up from Western Sydney Wanderers. He's, play, previous, he's played 90 games with uh, Newcastle Jets. Uh, central defender, central midfielder. 24 years old, so still on the young-ish side. But I imagine he'd, he'd sort of plug in as a fairly solid or decent squad. One player. assumes there'll be some pre-season fixtures like there usually is we where we'll know so. about them. Get and a bit of a look and feel for it, yeah. Yep, we'll get out to watch them play locally. Yep. Uh, we've also picked up uh, Ben Azubel, who is an Israeli player, uh, and he'll be playing as a... Well, he plays as a striker. Uh, I'm not overly convinced by him. He's 28 years old, but was playing in the Israeli second division, so you sort of think that might be a bit of a... Bit of a um, I wonder what the connect stepper. there is. Um, Nikita Rukovitsa uh, plays in Israel or did play in Israel, so I don't know if there mm-hmm. is a connection there between, you know, he sort of got the In the scouting process. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stefan Kolokovsky is one I am quite excited by. He's from Melbourne City. Uh, we've seen him playing in grand finals and the likes, and I'm quite excited to see him. He's only 22 years old, striker, so hopefully he can um, turn it on for the glory. Matt Hatch from Central Coast Mariners, fullback and winger. Again, young lad, 21. So Tony wasn't uh, mistaken about the whole recruiting of the young players. Uh, 20 games for Central Coast last two seasons. And, yeah, looks the goods. Again, probably not going to be an all-time game winner, but certainly a solid player on the team. Uh, one that does excite me, we've pulled in Mustafa Amini, who you know, 10, 12 years ago was playing with Central Coast Mariners. Then he's gone over to Europe. He's, he's played with... Uh, Never quite made the first team, but played with Borussia Dortmund, Randers, AGF. Um, went back to Sydney last year, and now we've collected him. So still only 29, central midfielder. Looks the goods. And I think we're going to stop talking about potential glory play or current glory players now, because Penn looks like she's all happy, and she's got our guest on the line. Yeah, I do have our Look guest on the line. That. Stace Ioannidis from Soccer Scene. Good morning. Good afternoon. How are you? Good morning and good afternoon to yourselves and to your listeners. How are we? Yeah, we're all good. We're um, talking lots of uh, infill information at the moment because we're coming up to the A-League season. Uh, we've had the wash of uh, all the teams visiting us and and uh, in mid-season, of course. There's always so much to talk about anyway. Um, is it totally immersed with football wherever you are in your soccer world, Stace? It is, it is. And it's um, crazy times at the moment. It's actually been quite good here. Um, with football, so I mean, we've just had Manchester United tour. Um, I had the F or the Australia Cup just recent yep. um, this week, so it's been a festival of football. Yeah, yeah, it has. Yeah, and what do you qualify as good? Is that uh, teams visiting, or is it uh, no COVID, no refixturing, all the pitches are playable? What What do you classify as good? Well, I think look, there's absolute uncertainty at the moment. I, I think that's that's the main thing that people that clubs can actually, you know, um, obviously plan ahead. Um, I mean, having that uncertainty last year is what really tipped everybody at the edge, I think. Mm. Um, but being certain, um, you know, and obviously having, you know, Manchester United play at the MCG, wow, that was phenomenal. Um, and, and just that real buzz around it, and I think it's, I think it's really energising the base. 
be honest. Yep. I don't think there'd be much that would stop a Manchester United game being booked into a stadium with 60 or 90,000 people stopping. Mm. I don't think um, a COVID outbreak would stop that. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Definitely not. But, like, here, have no, a mask at the gate. Oh, no, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's exciting about the upcoming A-League? You said the uncertainty of last year, and for Perth Glory, it was, uh, as Tony Sage said, yeah. I think it was... Uh, Havoc, terror, I, I forget what his phrase was, but it was just absolutely abysmal how we had um, players stuck in hotels, we had refixturing, we had, uh, I can't remember what home games we had because they were just all over the shop. It was just awful for there, Perth fans in the club. There was a lot of Wednesday night game, or well, a couple of Wednesday night games at the end of the season that, yeah, we knew yep. it was all over and there's you know, yep. 2,000 people at the game. Yep, so that, that was uncertain for us here in Perth today, so... Um, what will change and be better for this year? Look, I think there's a couple of things, right? I mean, last season we saw the transition from going from you know, the used couple Fox Sports into Channel 10, CBS, Viacom. Yeah. So we saw that transition take place, okay? Obviously with COVID thrown in the middle, uh, that, you know, through a, a spanner in the works. However, we're going to see a, a different phase now. We're going to see that cash injection from obviously from the Channel 10 sector that's come in, but obviously they're buying with emotion, with their money as well. So we're going to see a different A-League upcoming. And also we've got this certainty now that we don't have these borders opening and closing and quarantining and all these. So we've basically removed all the uncertainty out of the middle now and also we're going to see a, a rejuvenated base um, in the A-League and cash injection, which it needed to, um, and starting to see, you know, marquee players as well being bought. And as we've seen recently with um, uh, Lewis Danny, you know, at Melbourne Victory. So mm. we're going to start seeing things come back to normal or normalise, but also it's going to be a very different A-League season to what we saw last season. So, you, s- you said one marquee player. That's one. Is there a whole stack of marquee players that are going to be coming in you think that are going to excite the whole of Australia? Well, look, I can't I can't call that. I think it's for every club to decide and obviously there will be money allocated to that, to that budget uh, of marquee players. Um, but... Look, the only noticeable one is Nani at uh, Melbourne Victory. That will rejuvenate the base. That will rejuvenate the excitement. And seeing even Manchester United, Crystal Palace, Aston Villa, Tua is rejuvenating football back here. So we're going to see that excitement. We're going to see that interest. Um, and off the tail of that, the multiplying factor, we're going to start seeing the A-League again uh, through Tate as well. Yeah, we've only got two months before the A-League season. It is, well, pretty much August, August, September. Mm-hmm. Season fixtures start in October. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so it, I reckon that's a pretty tight time frame to be getting marquee players in, doing pre-season, getting fit, getting to know everything. So uh, I would have liked to have thought that if the clubs have got their eye on marquee players, we'll start to see them now. Look, uh, you make a valid point, but look, we see even in Europe, they're still doing signings until the 11th hour. Yeah, yeah. We're seeing, you know, in um, uh, in the UK, especially in the Premier League, they're still doing signings. Yeah. I mean, United was doing signings while they were here in tour. Um, so, you know, yes, I get your point on that one, but 
doesn't change anything. Yeah. Um, we might see signs until late, you know, last week before the A-League kicks off. Mm. So, you know, I mean, uh, watch your space. Yeah, I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. F- fair enough. All right. Yeah. What's top of your list with what's happening across the football landscape? Oh, look, there's a, there's a various of things. I think a, a lot of it, again, coming off the back of COVID, the you know we're seeing obviously the, the pressures come from um, you know from the economic world. We're seeing you know inflation, you know, again recorded uh, earlier this week. We're going to see again. Uh, pressure on the football pitch as well and retention. So, look, we've interviewed um, Anthony Lacare from Football Victoria, the, the chair lady of Football Victoria, and also we're going to interview Chris Nicker from the uh, Football Australia chairman. Uh, and look, we're going to put sensible questions to them about, you know, the trying to keep retention within our uh, ecosystem, um, trying to bring the fees down. What can we do, um, obviously, for struggling mums and dads? Um, you know, obviously the interest rates are going up. So that's pretty much the top of my agenda. How, how can we, you know, how can we support each other through these times? Because we don't want a, uh, you know, we don't want to be going backwards. I remember um, the last time that. you spoke to us, actually, Stace, you said that the biggest thing that we should watch out for with the new season is the cost increases that will be passed on from international stockers, suppliers, supply chains, interruptions in that yeah. to the Correct. grassroots people. I remember you saying that. Correct. And, and, we're, and we're starting to see that. We're starting to see that. And, you know, and that, for me, is a concern. So, look, we've put the questions out to these uh, decision makers um, and hopefully we can get, you know, these articles published out soon. That way there is some certainty within clubs and decision makers but that is a, a very important topic keeping costs down to keep kids in, in participation um and obviously have a, a growth maintain that growth into the future we don't want to see kids being turned away because they cannot afford it or the costs have just spiraled out but yeah. realistically how could you share the load on that because everybody is going to be having increased costs and we know with our sport mm-hmm. we have to teams touring and now we're starting to do it more because we can the borders are down um, we're feeling a bit more comfortable in the COVID management space so it, we were just talking with our uh, Football West um, new general manager about sending teams over to Asia again we have to meet their mandates so that we can get there but we're talking about merchandising and flight costs and accommodation costs if they're going up how do you keep those down Stace and then when you're talking about well, look, players the, 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 the there's certain factors that you can't that you can't avoid, right? So we'll look at the cost of fuel, the cost of fuel, at, you know, oil and gas that's regulated by OPEC and there's obviously supply and demand. We can't, but there's things that there's levers that the federations can do, right? So they've got levers that they can say, okay, let's um, discount the participation fees. Those are levers that they need to pull, okay? Uh, that's in their control. Other other things they cannot control. It's beyond their control. What they also can do is start to talk with the new federal government and start to rejuvenate industry, football industry, um, you know, and in emerging uh, technologies, products, and, and tap into the Asian market for export and actually export education. So these are industry, you know, these are probably the micro uh, things within its industry that it can do, but it needs to lobby government. So are you saying as an example, and I know this happens from West Australia, that uh, 
probably 70% or maybe more of um, kit is outsourced from outside of West Australia, probably Asia, I would mm. say. So you're Correct. saying manufacture it here and keep the cost down? Look, I'm talking about manufacturing whatever we can source from here. So that will obviously... Look, the price difference won't be that much, right? If you bring it from Southeast Asia or you're manufacturing in Australia at the moment, okay? What I'm saying is that we need to rejuvenate startup industry in football that we can sell off technologies. We can sell off a new innovational product. There's a new product that's come out of Europe with a, a tracking system within a ball. Yeah. Hmm. We should be at the front, forefront of innovation and technology within our industry here. You know, now that it's probably the time to do it with the new federal government in place. Mm. Those are the things. That, those are the policies I would I'd be pushing if I was the top end decision maker of the game. Um, and, and again, the levers that we can put, we can drop the fees to clubs to pass it on to you know to the consumer. Those are the things you know with within our reach, um, and we should be doing that to ride that wave. Um, but also again, rejuvenating the base as well, um, getting that participation increase and so forth. So there are a couple of things that can be done. Um, I'd pop the questions to Chris Niku um, and let's see what they come back with. Mm, okay, mm. interesting. Um, we are going into a World Cup year, so we certainly want people to not leave the country, um, well, I'm talking about Women's World Cup, but there's also the Qatar World yep. Cup in uh, okay. November. I feel that there's more, maybe it's just in my head, but I feel that there's more um, exposure and um, promotion starting to happen about the Women's World Cup than there is about the Men's World Cup. Correct me if I'm wrong and say crazy woman. Um, but uh, I'd like to see everybody come, the world come to Australia and that to create its own economic sphere of, you know, bountiful monies and, you know, hotels being booked out and uh, merchandising being sold for the Matildas and the Socceroos and that, that so forth. You know, that's what we want to happen, to put money back into the game as well, right? Correct. It's all the multiplying factors out of it. So it's not just building the stadiums for the Women's World Cup. It's the multiplying effects after yeah. um, mm. that comes with it. And how do we capitalise on it, right? Because it's all good to bring the dollar drums in. It's what we're going to do after with it. And, you know, we've got to have smart, clever policies around shaping around that after. What what do we do? What do we do with these stadiums? What are we going to do with these dollars? Where are we going to invest it? Where are we going to bring return on investment back? Those are the things that I'd be looking at. So, again, it comes down to clever policies and politics behind it. And retention. Um, you, you've said retention before, and I, I think that all the money that's getting put, for example, into the new facilities over here and around Australia, all the rebuilds mm-hmm. and the new developments, that's uh, specific for sport and for football, soccer. So if we get players keeping on playing football, they're going to use those facilities, and that's money in the game, that's healthy people, that's you know, less sick people Correct. and all that kind of Correct. thing. Correct. Yeah. And these are the multiplying factors. But also, that doesn't stop there, Penny. I mean, we're, we're looking at, you know, uh, La Liga, for argument's sake. They've got um, an online football school for football administrators. Okay? So those who are running at club level, decision-makers at club level, how can we upskill as decision-makers, as people who run clubs as the mum and dads who volunteer, how can they upskill that we keep, you know, keep improving, keep, you know, wedging on with the other codes? 
um, you know, those are the types of things I'd be trying to set up. And obviously, you know, it's not going to come for free. There will be, you know, it could be a, a TAFE course, an online 12-week TAFE course. But if we've got everybody synchronised at the same level, um, we can achieve a lot as a, a football uh, code, really. Um, and, and those are the, probably the things I'd be looking at and probably even sending out delegates to the rest of the world and, and try and pick up these ideas and bring them back. The how can we keep you know evolving? It's all about the, the evolving um, cycle, Stace, um, which Japan does really well. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we, we'll talk about that in, as we uh, reintroduce ourselves to Asia and the connect there and what that's going to bring back to our shores. Stace, we're going to have to let you go. The program is finishing. <laughs> Appreciate no your time today and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend, whatever it brings. Fantastic. You too, and thank you for your listeners as well, and have a great weekend. Good on you. And, um, yes, support your local team. Good on you, Stace. See you later. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye. That was Stace Ionudis from Soccer Scene. And you can get on to the... Um, we'll put a link to it on our Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, do that. That's a good idea, Pete. Thank you for that. Um, we're going to have to go to break because uh, Len and the Bags Groove Jazz Show is up next. This has been Penn and Pete enjoying football for two hours and sharing it with you. Thanks for listening. Thank you.